0: I'm Emily Williams, and this is Understand South Carolina, a news podcast from the Post and Courier. The number of new COVID 19 cases and hospitalizations is beginning to decline across the US, signaling the beginning of the end of this latest surge. But in South Carolina, like many states in the Southeast, coronavirus activity is still high. We've been hearing it from experts for months. The state needs a higher percentage of its residents to be vaccinated. But overcoming vaccine hesitancy isn't easy. Today we'll be hearing from someone who's been having those difficult conversations with people who are vaccine hesitant. Dr. Thaddeus Bell is a physician with a practice in North Charleston and the founder of Closing the Gap in Healthcare, a nonprofit dedicated to decreasing health disparities and increasing the health literacy of African-Americans in underserved communities. This pandemic has exacerbated existing health disparities. In South Carolina and across the U.S., black patients disproportionately got sick with COVID-19 and died of the virus. And since coronavirus vaccines became available, there's been another gap in vaccinations. Dr. Bell explains some of the likely reasons why that gap exists and how he's trying to close it. Let's briefly explain what are we talking about when we say health disparity. What does that mean?
1: Health disparities is when the burden of disease is greater in one population as opposed to another. And the causes that impact the people who are experiencing the burdens of disease, when you look closely at the comparing group, those determinants, are not present as great. So one of the things that has been very, very difficult for the medical profession to acknowledge is that for hundreds of years, uh, African-Americans and people of color have been not treated with dignity and respect and discriminated against, as well as many of the social determinants of health, not to mention racism that actually comes from the people who are delivering the health care.
0: How did you get started in your work addressing health disparities?
1: I would say that my exposure started uh, as a medical student. I was horrified by the way African-Americans and the underserved were treated by the medical profession. I was just as horrified as to the outcomes that African-Americans and underserved people experience. And I started doing a lot of reading as to why the health disparities existed. To my dismay, what I was seeing in Charleston and in South Carolina was in fact, what was going on throughout the entire country. And in fact, The health disparities uh, had a long history and in fact, there were a lot of things that contributed to the health disparities. So I decided that the thing that I could possibly do was to educate patients so that they would make better choices and better decisions about their own health. In the beginning, what I was doing was not very well welcomed by the African American community and was not appreciated a lot by the medical community because it spotlighted a lot of bad things of the medical profession perhaps did not want to address, particularly since South Carolina was at the top of the list when it came to health disparities and poor outcomes. It took a while for what I was doing to be accepted And now we are one of the premier uh, organizations in this community to educate uh, African-Americans and underserved, not only in the Tri-County community, but also throughout the state of South Carolina.
0: I'm curious as someone who has been looking at these disparities, trying to address them for quite a while and also kind of before it became more of a, a conversation, what you were thinking early on in this pandemic, you know, as we were still learning about this virus, knowing what you know about health disparities, about how it might play out.
1: It became very apparent to me very early that the pre existing conditions uh, that the Chinese said they noticed that the virus seemed to like those pre-existing conditions existed significantly in the African American community. I have been caught by surprise as to the resistance and hesitancy that continue to exist as it relates to the vaccine. But I think that when the virus began to spread in this country and when it began to particularly in communities of color. I I realized at that point that a disproportionate number of African Americans were going to die as a result of the virus. All of the nuances uh, that began to come out regarding social distancing and contact tracing and even going to the doctor to get diagnosed and Going to the hospital, I began to 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 understand the ugliness of the system already being hostile to people of color from the very beginning, then having all of the other stuff that just made the pandemic a horrific experience. When I recognize that we were trying to make a vaccine and that, uh, that we had made a vaccine. And then I recognized the history that Black people had had with medicine. And I recognized the problem that we were already dealing with African-Americans and vaccine with reference to the flu shot. I said, oh boy, we are in for a disaster. And that is pretty much what has happened.
0: Explain more about what you mean with that and what you'd already seen with things like the flu shot.
1: In spite of vaccines having a very positive history in American medicine, I think that African Americans have always been hesitant about vaccines based on the type of experimentations that were done to them historically. And even though as a healthcare professional, I understood and still understand how vaccines have saved us from polio, smallpox, measles, mumps, and rubella. As a healthcare professional, I understood that. But I also understood that the average African-American, once you got past the vaccines that they had to take in order to participate in society, anything that they would possibly have to take on their own to protect their health was gonna be problematic. Many African-Americans had heard about the Tuskegee Experiments. And the Tuskegee Experiments started uh, around 1936 and ended in 1972, the year that I started medical school at the medical university. And the prevailing thought was that the government had allowed syphilis to affect the lives of about 366 black men and the government, even when they found a cure for the syphilis, never did anything about making sure that they got that treatment. And the government allowed the syphilis to grow and to destroy the lives of these black men so that they could find out more about the disease. The government told these black men that if they participated in this experiment, they would get treated for the bad blood and get treated for any other minor medical problem that they may have, knowing full well that that was not the case. That one experiment, and of course there were many others, came up again during the pandemic. And that was a major cause of the distrust that African-Americans had with the medical profession.
0: From Dr. Bell's perspective, it looked like a lot of issues were converging at once during this pandemic.
1: The atmosphere around the vaccine made it even worse. All of the misinformation that was being given, it took on a political story of its own, all of that. The other social issues in the country I think also played a role. George Floyd, all of the African-Americans that were killed by the police, all of the distrust that African-American people and people of color had against the system. I think all of those things kind of came together and culminated into a major distrust that African-Americans and the underserved had as it related to the vaccine. The other thing is it was not well explained in the very beginning as to how the vaccine worked. I think all of that just created an atmosphere of confusion and Black folk as well as other people said, hmm, I don't know about this vaccine.
0: We'll be right back with Dr. Bell after this quick message.
1: Hi, I'm Ricky Ciaffa-Dennis Jr., a local government and faith reporter for the Post and Courier newspaper. As journalists, we spend time researching information and talking to credible sources to compile a story that's honest and accurate. We try to include important information that you can use in your own life, and it's worth you while to pay for a subscription to support our work. Learn more at com slash subscribe The other thing that I had no idea would be the case, and that is it appears as though we have been able to get the vaccine resistance issue. We've made that kind of go away among older African Americans and underserved, people 65 and above. But now it's the younger people, the people 18 to 45. These are the people who are most resistant and are most hesitant. And it's interesting because many of these people don't know nothing about the Tuskegee experiment. They are resistant and hesitant for a lot of other reasons which are proving to be very challenging to get them uh, to take the vaccine.
0: I I do wanna talk a little bit about the reasons or possible reasons why that younger demographic may be hesitant.
1: I certainly think all of the social issues that they have had to be a part of, all of the young black people that have been murdered by the police department, all of those kinds of things, has certainly created a lot of despair and a lot of distrust around the system in general. And then the other thing is the the continuation of uh, racism in this country has also played a major role in why young people are so resistant. And here's the other thing that a lot of people do not understand. Most young people between the ages of 18 and 40 Unless they get sick, they don't have a relationship with the healthcare profession. They don't have a relationship with the health industry unless it's in an emergency room situation. So asking them to make a decision or talk to a healthcare provider, that's not going to happen because that relationship was never put forth in the first place
0: are there particular things that, that resonate or that, that actually make a difference? Because I think a lot of people are thinking, okay, at this point in the pandemic with how long we've had vaccines, what would change someone's mind or what would uh, motivate someone to, to get vaccinated at this point? Are there things that you've found that maybe seem to resonate with people?
1: I have learned a lot about how to approach patients who are vaccine resistant and vaccine hesitant. One of the things that I have learned is that you have to meet people where they are. So rather than me imposing what I know about the virus, I try to find out from people what they don't understand about it. And then I try to give them factual information. So I've learned to become a good listener. About two months ago, I was asked to come to Charleston Southern University and talk to the athletes about vaccine hesitancy and resistance. The, the coach at that time was having some concerns that a lot of his players did not want to take the vaccine. So he invited me to come up and talk to the football team as well as to other athletes. And so uh, I did that and I tried to answer their questions. Uh, I wanted the African-American men and women to understand that this virus was also affecting our community at a greater rate. And I explained why that was happening. Something which uh, they had never heard before and did not understand. When I left there, I felt bad because I felt like I had not done a good job. Nobody had convinced me that they had changed their minds until the next day I got a call from the coach. And he said, hey, as a result of your talk, about 25 of our young men have decided to go get the vaccine. And he said that while you explained it to everybody, particularly our young Black men and women, they had never heard anyone actually address their issues. And so you connected with them. And so I was happy. I was very happy to hear that. And since that time, many others have gone and have taken the vaccine. I spent a lot of time on educating people in my practice. And I can truly say that about 98% of the patients that I see in my practice have taken the vaccine. I'll tell you an interesting story, though. So a lady that I had been taking care of, and let's just say her name is Ms. Green. So Ms. Green came in to see me, and the conversation went like this. She said, oh, Dr. Bell, she said, you know, when I came in here, I had a talk with Jesus. And I asked Jesus, I said, Jesus, please don't let Dr. Bell ask me about that vaccine because I don't want to take it. And Jesus, and I think Jesus said, okay, I won't. So when she came in, I said, oh, Ms. Green, I'm so glad you came in. I said, you know, when I saw your name on the list, I spoke to Jesus and I said, Jesus, please give me the words to talk about this vaccine. So she and I both started laughing. So I said, we got Jesus in a bind here. So I said, now listen, Jesus also told me to to remind you that when you got so sick about 30 years ago and I put you in ICU and me and Jesus pull you through, Jesus told me to tell you to trust Dr. Bell and take that vaccine. And so she did, and she's doing very, very well. That's just an example of me meeting people where they are.
0: I think a lot of people are in a situation where they have a family member or family members or a friend who's hesitant to get the vaccine. And maybe, kind of like you described, they don't regularly see a physician. They don't really have healthcare professionals in their life. And do you have any advice for people who are in that situation having these sometimes difficult conversations? With family members or with other loved ones?
1: That's an excellent question. I go personal on those patients. And I remind patients who are vaccine hesitant that if you really love your papa and your grandma or your children who may have pre existing conditions, even though you may be vaccine hesitant and don't care anything about your own life, but you love the life of people you come in contact with, it's important for you to take this vaccine. And then I point out to them the number of patients that I have seen who got the virus from a family member and died. I remind them, that I've seen that in my own practice and in my own experience. And I I tell them, you don't want to live the rest of your life with that burden. I had to tell a man that a couple of weeks ago, same age as me, would not take the vaccine. And so I told him, I said, you know. I think your family would be very upset. Your, your grand nieces and nephews would be very upset. And if you died from the virus because you didn't take the vaccine and you had the information and you could have made the right decision and you didn't do it. So I left him with that thought. And so that's what I try to do when I say I go personal. Of people, Because, you know, everybody, everybody don't want all the scientific information. It depends on where the person is. There are going to be patients who you're not going to be able to talk to. But then there will be patients who you will talk to and they may not make a decision right there in front of you. Because I've had some of them to call me back and said, just want to let you know, I thought about what you said and I've taken that vaccine. I hope that more younger people will take the vaccine. Uh, I'm always thinking about how I can get to just one young person. I'll tell you something that we have done you may want to check out. I'm on TikTok.
0: It's true. I checked it out. Dr. Bell is on TikTok, which, if you're not familiar, is a video sharing social media app. On Dr. Bell's account, he's answering a lot of questions about vaccine hesitancy. In one video, they're at Mother Emanuel Church talking about precautions that have been taken there during COVID-19. And in another, in very classic TikTok fashion, Dr. Bell is dancing. When my younger patients tell me they got their COVID vaccine, hash crowd. The comment sections on some of those videos are pretty reflective of what he's up against. Some people are praising him for his work, but some comments are referencing conspiracy theories or accusing him of not being a real physician. Dr. Bell is, of course, a real physician. He graduated from the Medical University of South Carolina and has been practicing medicine for 46 years. And like many doctors and health professionals out there, he's frustrated.
1: I did a health tip on radio couple of weeks ago and it got, I tell you what, I've done a lot of things on radio, but never have I gotten so much feedback. And at the end of it, I said, just take the damn vaccine. (laughs) And so uh, that was all over radio. So some people text me and say, hey man, you must've been mighty, mighty upset. I said, the day that I did that, I was upset. I, I was just so frustrated seeing the numbers that we were seeing coming in particularly across the nation and in South Carolina and particularly in our, you know, in our area.
0: But Dr. Bell has seen something positive that could come out of this pandemic.
1: You know, there's a silver lining in everything. And the silver lining in this pandemic, at least for us, for closing the gap, has been, it has validated what we originally thought Before the pandemic came on the scene.
0: All right, listeners, that's all for today. Thanks so much for listening. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions for this show, let us know. We're on Twitter at understandSC, or you can email us at understandSC at com. The TikTok audio you heard was from Closing the Gap's account, which you can find at closing the gap for you that's the number 4 and the letter u you can also learn more about doctor bell's organization at closingthegapinhealthcare.org understand south carolina is a production of the post and courier our intro music is by billy fountain you can find his music on spotify we'd love to know what you think of this show rate and review us on apple podcasts keep up with the latest headlines at postandcourier.com we'll be back next week